You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. A couple of years ago, my wife and youngest daughter and I had to move back to Texas after seven years on the field in China. And when we came back, we knew we were depleted and needed our souls to be nourished. And we knew that would only happen in a healthy local church. And so I was so very thankful when God brought us to Citizens Church. Uh, I've been replenished week by week from the gospel centrality of all the ministries. I totally respect the humility of the leadership. They're easy to follow. And an added benefit is uh, every time it rains, our parking lot has its own church lake. And I mean, what church can compete with that? So we're grateful to be here and I'm thankful for Jamin entrusting me with this opportunity to preach God's word uh, for us all. The passage today is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. I find it a fascinating piece of the overall narrative of the Bible because it reveals the heart of God, not only for his people, but also for the people of all the world. So it's helpful to understand if we go back in Genesis and see what is the background up to this point. And what we find in the first three chapters of Genesis is that God created a perfect world. And he created a man and woman for himself in his image. And they were given the privilege to know God, to live with him, and to display his image as his partners in stewarding creation. But tragically, the men and women were deceived into believing that something other than God would be more satisfying. And as they fell, they turned away from the one true God and attempted to be God for themselves. And this wasn't uh, more satisfying. In fact, in their guilt and shame, they hid from God. They were lost. But God came searching for them, and he covered their shame, and he promised a future redeemer. Well, nevertheless, now separated from God, their sin brought a curse, a curse of spiritual death, not only upon themselves, but also upon all creation. And this is followed up. And as humanity multiplied, they became increasingly corrupt and fell further and further away from God. So by the time we get to Genesis chapters 10 and 11, we find there a listing, a representative list of all the peoples of the earth, and it it, it follows with this description of their united rebellion against God. And their plan is that they will build for themselves a great tower to the heavens. And the goal is to make a name for themselves. Now, doesn't that seem to describe the human condition? We're always searching for meaning and fulfillment in anything and anyone other than God. And it's expressed by our constant tower building, hoping to make our our name great, hoping to find significance from what we do. I've tried to build many towers in my life for that purpose. Uh, For example, the ideal marriage. I thought I could build the ideal marriage and when Lisa and my wife and I were anticipating marriage and, you know, we would go through counseling, we would read books, and then we would observe many other married couples. 
because we were believers, we, we thoroughly believed we'll never endure the difficulties of most marriages because we're, well, we're 20 years old, we're exceedingly mature. We won't have any of these issues. But all it took was a couple of, of years in actual marriage to prove me wrong. Striving, don't, don't, please don't misunderstand me, striving for a good marriage is a good thing. But if you're looking to your marriage to bring you meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction in life, you will be disappointed because God made you for himself and you'll only find satisfaction in a relationship with him. And so God mercifully restrained the tower builders from their self-destructive plans by dispersing them, all the nations, all the languages throughout the earth. And though they were spiritually lost, he will again come searching for them. And that brings us to Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, God reveals this search will begin with one man, Abraham. And through that one man, God will bring his redemption plan for all the nations of the earth. So we look at Genesis 12, once again, verses 1 to 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, whom God later renamed Abraham, the father of a multitude, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Now, when you read that passage, you can hardly miss the most prominent word, right? It's blessing. <laughs> what is blessing? It is God being good to you. In a way, it's like grace because God is good to you, not because you deserve that, but because he is a good God. And so why would God be good to Abraham and pour out this abundance of blessing and grace? It was so that through Abraham, all the families of the earth could also experience God's goodness and grace. And so this becomes the primary narrative of the Bible. God is on a mission of grace in and through his people for the sake of the world. So I think as we study this today, there's a couple of main ideas that will help us understand, uh, understand it. First is the extravagant grace of God. God comes to Abraham and tells him, I will make of you a great nation. So why did God choose Abraham? Abraham had not been seeking God. In fact, Abraham came from a family of moon worshipers. And as you read further in Genesis, it's apparent Abraham has some character defects. And most significantly, he and his wife Sarah, older year, in their older years, had no children because she was barren. And yet God promises to give him so many children and descendants that he will become a great nation. Later, God illustrated the magnitude of this promise when he said, look up at the heavens, try counting the stars, because so shall your offspring be. Now for Abraham, this was certainly wonderful good, wonderfully good news. 
Uh, and he responded by simply trusting God to fulfill his promise. And yet Abraham could not have imagined the extravagance of grace that God was included in this promise because as we read in Genesis 15, verse 6, when Abraham believed the Lord, he counted it to him as righteousness. Now this is scandalous to a moon worshiper who has defective character, God has to the former promises he's already made, this extravagant grace of righteousness. This is stunning. Here's Abraham with his broken life, and he simply believed good news. And God announces, I receive you as righteous in my sight forever. Does that sound familiar to you? That's the gospel. You know, it's been said the best commentary on Genesis chapter 12 is actually Galatians chapter 3. And we look at Galatians 3 verse 8. It says, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now you might ask, uh, where in that statement is the gospel? <laughs> What God's intention here, the meaning is when he refers that in Abraham there will be countless descendants, in other words, there'll be many sons, yet there will be one unique son of Abraham, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came on a mission of grace to seek and save the lost of all nations, so that through his perfect life, his substitutionary death, his glorious resurrection, Jesus proved to be the ultimate blessing for the world. And this blessing of righteousness God gave to Abraham is now available to anyone who will believe him. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, In Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. So Jesus has come on a mission for us. In fact, Jesus came on a mission for me. When I was 17 years old, a junior in high school, I was busy building my towers and trying to make a name for myself. And I was doing, trying to do that through athletics or popularity or academic achievement, although that one did not go well. But I was never satisfied and I always felt insecure and never felt I had done enough to matter, but a friend reached out to me, and over time he helped me understand that life was about knowing Jesus, and that I could trust him, and by trusting him he would satisfy my heart. And so I received him, and he saved me. Jesus Christ is on a mission of grace for you. He comes to you in your sin and brokenness with the good news that, yes, he has given his life for you, for you in his death and resurrection, and to you through his spirit. And if you'll simply trust him and look to him to satisfy your heart, he will forgive you, he will receive you, and he will consider you his righteous son or daughter forever. So there's no need to spend your life 
building towers and trying to make a name for yourself. He makes your name great because in Jesus, you have a new name. It is loved. It is forgiven. It is righteous. It is accepted. This is blessing. <laughs> and when you believe this gospel, you become part of God's compelling mission of grace in and through his people for the sake of the world. And this is the second main idea, the compelling mission of God. You see, through the gospel, Jesus is forming a new family, a new nation of redeemed people to join him in his mission. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a royal, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just as Abraham was blessed in order to be a blessing to the nations, so also we who have received the greatest blessing of Jesus are to proclaim him to the nations. Yet for Abraham to do so, it meant that he could not stay where he was. He had to go with God on mission. We look again at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. God says, go, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In that patriarchal society, to leave one's family would be to lose one's identity and security and place of belonging and sense of meaning in life. So for Abraham to join God on his mission will cost him greatly. So why would God ask of Abraham such a high price? Because the thing Abraham needed more than a big family or a new homeland or a famous name was God himself. But unless Abraham left behind all the other things in which he trusted to satisfy his heart, he could never experience the all-satisfying grace of God. So the most loving thing God could do was to tell Abraham, go, go. And with every step that Abraham took away from that old familiar life was a step of trust that God was better and God was worth it. And Jesus calls us the same way. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, Go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, when I came to faith in Christ in high school, he began changing me, and I had this growing desire to share him with my classmates, teammates, things like that. But I was so intimidated. I thought, you know, if I share something, they may reject me or they'll mock me. And plus, I, I had no idea what to say about God to anyone. But the Lord just continued to gently persist to nudge me in that direction. And late one afternoon after a football practice, 
a teammate was talking with me about his girlfriend problems. And in that moment, I began to sense God again, gently nudging me. But I felt so weak and inadequate. And I just whimpered a prayer, oh, Jesus, help me. And at that moment, I felt this rush of God's grace and strength to share. I looked at my friend and I fumbled through the only words that came to mind. I've given my life to Jesus and he's changing me. Now, I know that's not the best advice to give regarding girlfriend problems, but that's the best I could do. But in my weakness, Jesus had come through for me. And that was the first time I had joined him on his mission of grace in the world. And as I shared with more and more teammates and classmates, even teachers, it just seemed that as I shared with others about Jesus, I wanted to know him more from scripture. and I wanted to depend on him more in prayer. And I felt closer to him and I loved him. This was the result of being on the mission, of going with him. You see, there's an intimacy with Christ you and I will never experience apart from sharing his love with others. And this intimacy with Christ, it, it fuels the desire to share him with others. So where do we begin to bring Christ to the nations? We begin right where we are. We, we look at the everyday opportunities to go with him into our community, into our world. We take a step out of our secure and self-absorbed self lives and we join him into the places where the people are. So, something as simple as having an extra couple of minutes to have a conversation with a neighbor or inviting a coworker to lunch or making new acquaintances at school or at the park or in the market or at the gym. Because most everyone in our city is searching for satisfaction in someone or something other than Jesus, and they will always be left unsatisfied. But Jesus is searching for them, and that's why he came. He was called by God his Father to go from their heavenly home of eternal love and glory and come to a sinful, broken world. And Jesus knew he wasn't coming to a promised land of blessing, but to a cross upon which he would die. But because he took those steps of obedience, a world of selfish sinners, including us, can be redeemed. So when you remember that Jesus did that for you, you will gladly join him in his mission of grace in and through his people for the sake of the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you sent your one and only son into the world, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are gathering the scattered, lost people from every tribe and language and people and nation to come and receive you, the greatest blessing that God could give. And from our hearts, we say, yes, Lord, 
We want to go and join with you in your mission to bring grace to our neighborhoods, our cities, and to the nations for your glory. Amen.